Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want to read our text this morning in Colossians chapter 3, and I believe that there is a timely word from God today. I believe that God pushed off last week's message so we could come to this passage of Scripture today and rally together as believers under the banner of Christianity. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this life, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, by barbaric uncivilized, slave, or free. Listen to the end of the verse. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Who Are You? Who are you? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for declaring to us who you see us as. God, I pray today you'd help us to see ourselves as you see us. Father, I pray that you would help us to love you the way we should, help us to love each other the way we should. God, we are in a country that is divided and ripping itself apart. We are in a country that is hurting and and shocked and confused and dazed. God, I pray, Lord, that you would let all who claim the name of Christ walk in love and walk in unity. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a crisis in the world today, and it's not new, but it is still existing of who are you? Who are, people want to know, psychologists, experts say that's one of the defining questions of man. Who am I? You need to figure out who you are. People need to figure out who they are. And listen, I'll give you a couple of hints early before I even get to my punchline. It don't matter what other people say you are, but it does matter how you see yourself. Now, we could say it only matters what God says about you, but it matters what you say about yourself. It matters how you see yourself. It matters how you feel about you because Jesus said you got to love other people the way you love yourself. Now, if you, build, if you buy into what people say about you, if you buy into hatred that people splash on you, if you buy into stereotypes that people shove down your neck, you're not going to have a healthy self-image. If you were raised by people who said mean and vile things to you, if you were raised, I was raised in a family where we were told we were stupid and we were worthless and we were no good. I was told all the time by my stepfather that I was so stupid I, I couldn't pour pee out of a hat before putting it on my head. I know what it's like. That's funny right there. Not if you're 11 years old and somebody's telling you that and, and punching you in the face and choking you unconscious. That's a different story for a different time. But I know that there are mean people who want to try to mess with our self-image. And you need to know who you are. 
And you need to find out who you are from the Word of God. You don't need to let society dictate to you who you are. You don't need to let this country dictate to you who you are. You don't need to let the government tell you who you are. You need to let God tell you who you are because we need to be Christians. I'm going to keep going. Listen, last week and all for months I've been telling y'all I cannot wait till Tuesday. Voting day. Woo! I said, but I'm not as excited about Tuesday as I am about Wednesday because I'm going to throw a party on Wednesday no matter who wins. I just wanted it to be over, and I want to tell you something, and I, and I shared this Wednesday night. I, I, I sat in front of my television Wednesday night, and I probably said, just, just mumbling the word shocked at, at least 40 times but, but between 1 o'clock and, and, and 3.30 in the morning. I just sat there, and I would just... And I, I kept telling Ethan, I'm like, I've never been this shocked by anything in my life. I, I am stunned. I, am, I was shocked beyond shocked. And I, I was like, well, at least it's over. And I went to bed. <laughs> and I wake up this morning and I see protesters shooting each other last night. And arrests being made. And people burning down buildings. I see that they went to a man's car dealership and destroyed over 20 of his cars. I'm like, did you check his voting record first? He might be on your side. But see, it's not really about that. It's just about anarchy and destruction and rebellion. Listen, I support the right of people to protest. That, that's guaranteed us. The, 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 the lawful right for a peaceful protest, that is nothing wrong with that, and I'm all for that. But when you start encroaching on other people's rights, when you start breaking stuff and burning stuff, that's not right. And we as Christians don't need to participate in that. And I'm on record. Tell the cops I said it. If a bunch of people that are looking angry and banging on windshields try to block my navigator in with just human bodies... Let me tell you something. That is, a, that is a stretch edition Lincoln Navigator L. It weighs next to 7,000 pounds. You don't want to stand in front of me with three people screaming, trying to bang my windshield in. Amen? Listen, I told my kids, you better tell everybody, you know, lock your doors when you're driving. Because America right now is hurting, and they're letting their hurt out in the wrong way. And we need to be sympathetic to those that are hurting. And we need to support freedom of speech. And we need to support people who, who, who want, want to have their voice heard. But we do not need to support tearing up other folks' stuff. That is just not the right way. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not calling the police if you come to my house to tear my stuff up. I'm not trying to decide what, what the num which number to call for the police. I'm just going in my closet and trying to define what I'm going to defend myself with. I got a lot of choices. Hallelujah. Don't mess around and, and come burning stuff down in my neighborhood. I got, you know, protected by Smith and Wesson and Remington and Westchester and a whole bunch of other stuff. Listen, I do not understand people breaking down windows and burning stuff. I know, I know people are mad. I know they're upset. And I am a big supporter of people's right to protest. And listen, you don't, you don't have to like everything that happens. And I get that. I don't like everything that happens. But there has got to, at some point, 
be some, 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 some civil resolve. There's got to be some law. There's got to be some realization of, of, look, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And I want God's people to do things the right way. I, I, I believe that through this election, it, it's just a part of what's happening and what's been happening in the history of the world uh, from, from day one. It, it, it's just, it just causes hate and division. The, the enemy uses it to divide. You see, God is a creator and the devil is an imitator. What God wants to do right, the devil wants to mess up. That's why I told you, if you ever really get on fire for God, you're going to start doing some stuff that people aren't going to agree with. You're going to start loving people that some folks are going to be, why do you love them? You're going to start doing some stuff that everybody's not going to understand, and you're going to face some adversity, and things are going to come against you. Why? Because the devil wants to mess up what God wants to see happen. Wherever God is blessing, the devil's messing. And the things God wants to bless, the devil wants to mess with. And God is about unity. And the devil is about division. And I don't believe that our country, and listen, I, it, it very well may probably, I would be willing to say, going to get worse before it gets better. And that's horrible to know because it's bad now. But the devil wants to do anything he can to divide us, to separate us. I have seen more. Listen, hey, if you are anti-social media, this has been a great week for you. Because there's more people shutting down their social media accounts. There's more people clicking off Facebook. There's more people blocking and deleting this week than in the history. Facebook stock plummeted by 5% this week because of the mass exodus. Why? Because the hateful brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in biology, coming against each other, attacking each other. How can you call yourself a Christian and, and, and vote for this person? How can you call yourself a Christian and vote for that person? I'll ask you the same question I've been asking you before you tell somebody how can you call yourself a Christian and 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 vote for Donald Trump or how can you call yourself a Christian and vote for how Hillary Clinton how can you call yourself a Christian at all let me just turn on how can I call him I know what I've done I know my level of sin I know I am vile and disgusting and God had to reach down in the gutter to save me anybody understand that about yourself God did a work when he saved us we don't deserve the label Christian. And everybody don't have to vote like you to be Christian. Everybody don't have to believe like you to be Christian. We, we live in a diverse country. We live in a country where people have brains and intellect. And, and they, they figure stuff out. And their parents tell them what did this. And then they decide that. Listen, I want, to, I want you to know, if you can't learn how to love people that are different than you, heaven is going to be miserable for you. I got a newsflash for you. I got, I, got a, I got a prophetic word for you. The Bible says in heaven, every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue will be represented in heaven, praising God. Now, see, I've been telling people this from day one, 15 years pastor in this church, because we started this church with a mandate to be a multicultural, multi-denominational church. So we've had many denominations represented here and many races represented here. And I've been saying this from the beginning. A lot of white people are going to be surprised when they get to heaven and find out Jesus ain't white. Y'all too tense to celebrate that? 
We got security in here. We got guns in here. Don't worry. I won't let nobody get hurt in this, on this whole property from front to back, side to side. I'm responsible under God's will for everything that happens in here. Listen, a lot of, a lot of black people are going to be surprised. Jesus don't have a big afro with a pick in it. He's Jewish. He's Middle Eastern. He's dark-skinned, but, but, but he's Jewish. He, he, he ain't African-American, and he ain't redneck. I've been trying to tell people that your blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus painting on your wall ain't no blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Listen, we got people in this room that been over to that desert. They ain't blonde-headed and blue-eyed. And they don't look like Deacon West neither. They got their own shade. But the division that people want to have, I've been telling people, white folk going to be shocked they get to heaven and find out. They let black people in here. Black people are going to be shocked when they get to heaven and find out. We're on the same street as white people. We've been preaching, spend money in our own communities for the last 50 years, and I got, it's going to be together in heaven. It's going to be some Baptist surprise. They let Catholics in here. They're going to be some Pentecostal folk going to be shocked. Well, she don't speak in tongues. What's she doing in here? I want you to know the Bible says we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not by anything else. If you believe in Jesus, that's it. And if you don't believe in Jesus, that's it. You can't get in on race. You can't get in on mama and them. You can't get in on good works. You can't get in on church membership. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I understand people are passionate about their candidate. I understand people are passionate. But I, I, I need you to hear me. They don't care about us. And, you, and I'm not talking. Listen, we got to get to the place where when we say us, we understand we mean the body of Christ. We are not here as individuals representing individuality. We're here gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we gather together in his name, we come together today as Christians. And if you hear somebody say they don't represent us in America, they are typically talking about a very small demographic group to which their skin or their pocketbook it puts them in. But we got to get to the place where when we say us, we're talking about people who love the Lord. If Christians ever united together in this country, we'd be the biggest voting block on the planet, and we would be represented. People are mad. Listen, everybody that ran for president was rich, and their children go to private school. They got more money in their bank account. They drink more expensive liquor than you drink. They, 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 they got better 401Ks. Listen, do you realize that the only two groups of people in this country that are lawfully allowed to opt out of Social Security are politicians and preachers? Every politician in this country and every senator and every member, uh, listen, you want to find unity? Google how many senators out of 100 opted out of Social Security. 
and it's not just the white ones or the black ones. It's not just the every single senator in this country has opted out of paying Social Security. You say, well, that's why I love the Congress. I'm a House of Representatives person. Let me come on this side of the swing. Every single congressman and woman, has none of them pay Social Security. Not one of them pay Social Security, but they make us pay Social Security. They make more money than we make, but they don't pay Social Security. Why? Because they know they can take 15.3% of every dime we make if you're self-employed, 7.65% 7.65% you pay, 7.65% your employer holds back for you, and they take that from us our whole lifetime, and they pay it back on a rate of return at less than 2%. I'd rather bury my money in the backyard and know where it is. You, you, we, we have been bamboozled to believe that these people care about us more on one side or the other. I'm telling you, they're all a bunch of pro wrestlers. They argue and fight when they're in front of each other, and then they go sip liquor together in the same restaurant. I don't believe that. I believe my candidate was going to do something for me. Get your vote. Get your vote. Listen, people all upset. People all fired up. I'm going to tell you, I love a few things. only been a few things on social media I've seen this week. But I'm going to tell you, I do agree with people who have said it doesn't matter as much as who sits in the White House as it does who sits on the throne. And God has not vacated heaven for nobody. God is still in charge. I told y'all. Last week, I, now see, I did not expect the result that, that we got. I told y'all last week, though, that America would survive, that Christianity would survive, whoever got elected. I, there was no doubt in my mind that God is bigger than Donald Trump. God is bigger than the Republican Party. God is bigger than Hillary Clinton. God is bigger than the Democratic Party. Listen, God is bigger than these protesters. I don't know what they're thinking. They're just going to keep screaming, dump Trump. And what, what this man going to walk out with his hair flying and, and, and just say, well, uh, I, I give up because y'all keep protesting. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Everybody faulting the electoral college. Everybody saying that he didn't win the popular No, he didn't win the popular vote. Why? Because there's millions of people in New York and in California that voted heavily for, for Hillary. And the, the founding fathers of this country did not allow us to be a 51% democracy. They formed us as a republic. When you pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, we are formed as a republic. We don't get to vote on everything in this country. And the president has never been elected by popular vote in this country. They set up an electoral college, and it's not for the reasons people have been saying it is. I've seen all types of crazy reasons about why they do electoral college so they can rig it for, for, for the establishment. When they put the electoral college together, and I can't believe that they did it, because they put it together when over 90% of the people in this country lived in New England. And here's what they knew. As new states were opening up and as westward expansion was happening, if they let 51% popular vote margin happen, the only people that would have a voice in our country would have been people in Boston and New York. 
and because they could have outvoted the country for the first 130 years of this country's existence. The population is still heavily slanted. And right now, if you just want to go popular vote, then New York and California will make decisions for everybody. And all those flyover states between New York and California that don't have a bunch of people living there, they'd be living in Oklahoma being governed by policies of California. I can tell you this, folk that live in Oklahoma don't want California telling them what to do. All right, let me get off that because y'all don't care and y'all going to believe what y'all want to believe. But I know this, the devil will use anything he can use to keep you from reaching your destiny in Christ. And there's a lot of those people out there protesting that are claiming Christianity. Now, I know a lot of them ain't, you know, atheists for Hillary. I mean, you want to carry that sign, you already told me. But a lot of the people out there protesting are Christians and claim the name of Jesus. But they are, being, they are being enraged and led to do things that their God would not have them to do. Because the devil wants to divide us. And the enemy is wreaking havoc on the body of Christ with a spirit of offense. I've been talking to you all about this spirit of offense for a long time. And there are so many offended people that have left the church. So many offended people walking around just butthurt. I said it. They, they just got their feeling on their shoulders all the time. Listen, like they, I, has, has everything gone so right for you your whole life that you just freak out when you don't get your way? This generation, listen, if you call yourself a millennial, you better realize that you ain't going to have everything your way your whole life. And sometimes somebody's going to say no. Just because mama never told you no don't mean life ain't going to tell you no. But the devil wants to divide and people just leave the church, get mad. I can't believe he said this. That offended me. So what? You're under a mandate to forgive me for everything. Seven times 70 in one day. You're under a mandate to love people in spite of it. Well, Pastor, I just can't support these evil, money-loving capitalists. I, they, they don't represent. Listen, you still got to love people. Mm. Can you love people you don't agree with? Can you love people that hate you? That's what we've been called to do. Love those that hate us. This is Christianity. This is not America. This is not America because I'm going to tell you what, I am disgusted by preachers who are willing to be known and, and, and cast themselves by their political persuasion, be it Republican, Democrat, Independent, or whatever they want to call themselves, where they more closely identify with their policies and their politics than they do with Christ. I'm a Christian first. I'm going to be on Jesus forever until I die. And people that don't vote in this country shouldn't complain. I'm going to get off politics with that. I'm going to say one more thing just because I can. <laughs> if you voted for a third-party candidate and you were mad at the outcome of this election, the third-party votes would have changed the election if they would have voted one of the other parties, and we wouldn't be dealing with this right now. People writing in Mickey Mouse. Writing in their own name. Why, why, don't, why don't you just, just say, I, I, I throw the whole process away? You're like, well, I did that. Are you mad at me? Yes. Do you hate me? No. 
Do you want me to still come to church? Yes. This church is bigger than politics. This church is bigger than America. This church is about the Lord God. We got a God that's bigger than any king this country trying to set up. And I gotta, I, we got to make sure that we don't fall into this system of being labeled white people, black people, Republicans, Democrats, rich and poor. Of course we're white. Of course we're black. Of course we're Democrat or Republican. Of course we're rich or we're poor. These are just factual things. But it doesn't mean that we can't love people outside of that. And if you inoculate and you incubate and you isolate yourself just based on your race, your color, or your political persuasion, you are outcasting many of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and God is not happy with that. God is not happy with that at all. I tell my children all the time, I hear them fussing, I'm like, let him have what he wants. Just can't demand for your brothers and sisters what they get. And sometimes somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And some people have to just get to it. Listen, we, we got all these, all these rich people think Republicans care about them. Poor people think Democrats care about them. I'm going to tell you all what. They care about making money and getting elected. I've never seen any of them come to my house. None of them never knocked on my door. None, none, of, none, none of them ever paid my rent. Done none of that for me. So I am not going to be bamboozled by it. I'm not going to get all fired up by it. I'm not going to go out there and break stuff and, 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 and loot and pillage and march and, and go crazy over it. But I will defend my property. Listen, protesting, good. Riots, bad. We need to understand that not just as a country but as Christians. The Bible commands us to keep the law. The Bible commands us to keep the law. Now, see, sometimes when you, when you live off... Uh, the, the, when you live by the sword, you got to die by the sword, the Bible says. And the sword got two edges on it, just like a coin's got two sides on it. I've been telling for the last eight years, God is my witness and people from this church are my witness. I've been telling people for the last eight years, stop saying that President Obama is not your president. I've been telling white people that for the ICU. I've told my family members, you sound ignorant saying that he is not your president. He is your president. Well, now it's on the other side. <laughs> Protesting is good. Rioting is bad. And please tell your children when they go to school to keep their mouth shut. Do Children are not, I don't care how smart you think your child is. Children do not possess the intellectual maturity that is required to have discussions of this volume with classmates who disagree without coming across as hateful and bigoted. And my children go to public school in this community. Well, I, you don't have, yes, I have enough money to send my children to private school, but I'd rather give my money to the church than send it to the private school. I want my, my kids go to public school. Well, you don't want, I don't, I, my kids go to public school in, in this community because I want them to be a part of this world, not some elitist group of snobs that think they're better than anybody else. 
we got all this stuff going on. And listen, when people say race baiters, when white people say race baiters, they're typically pointing at, at, at Sharpton and, and black civil rights leaders. And listen, there are race baiters on every side, on every color. And there are people who are using this election to, to create race hate. And I'm not for it. I'm not for it. I, I, I See, I'm not the typical. Listen, I, I'll give y'all a hint. Some of y'all not all the way delivered. Ain't none of us all the way delivered. But some, some of y'all got deep issues. Listen, I'm going to give you a hint. If you ever find yourself uh, as, as a white person saying, I'm not a racist, I have lots of black friends, you just outed yourself. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right, black people? You hear somebody say, oh, I got, I got lots of black friends. You just outed yourself. But I, my life is, is, I live in a glass bowl. I, I've been in the same community. I was raised on the west side of Jacksonville. I've been in the same community for over 30 years. I've been living here for over 30 years, and, and everywhere I go, people know me. And, and people know that I value diversity. People know that the closest people, listen, the closest people to me, oddly, are, are African American. And, so, and I'd let some white people in too, but I'm just saying, if you ever hear me or my children say, we got lots of black family members and friends, we're not just your typical redneck saying that off the side of, you know, Blanding Boulevard. But we got to learn how to not be sucked in by race baiters. I, I, I've seen it. And see, here's what I do. I watch both news groups, the left and the right. I watch both sides because I know everybody's slanting it their way because they're trying to get ratings and they're trying to make money. And here's what I don't believe. I don't believe them people making all that noise believe what they say they believe. I called Rush Limbaugh out as a liar 30 years ago, 20, however long ago it was. He's saying all this stuff about being this extreme right-wing Republican conservative dude. He married a left-leaning Democratic woman who is just hugely for everything he says he's against. Let me tell you something. Ain't no man doing that. Ain't no man about to hand the keys to his house to some woman that disagrees emphatically with everything he believes in. But you know what? His sponsors believe in what he's preaching. His supporters believe in what he's preaching, so he keeps bringing the money in. I believe there's people on, on CNN that are reporting and, and, and pretending to be one thing when they're totally something else. I believe there are people on Fox News that are reporting, pretending to be one way when deep in their heart they believe a different way. Why are they just doing what the paycheck tells them to do? And that's why I'm not going to be brought in by them. Race baiter. I, I've heard people call this and try to paint this election as a white lash. I never even heard the word white lash. But, you know, it's the flip of a backlash, a, a, a backlash which is a play on the word blacklash. <laughs> Saying it's a white lash that it is angry white people voting against President Obama. I want you to know that President Obama has a 55% approval rating, and there's only 13% of this country is black, so that's a lot of white people that voted for Obama. People want to just break it down. Well, they voted this way, and they... No, it isn't. I saw... They got both... It was so funny, because I told you I flipped back and forth. And I was watching CNN, and this Muslim woman was, was being interviewed live from, it looked like her closet, but a little tiny room she was in. And she put some blog out there that says, I'm a Muslim woman, supports LGBT community, uh, and I voted for Trump. And, you know, that's, that's not in keeping with what.
you know, he was saying, and so that surprised people. And then I flipped over, and five minutes later, she was just on CNN. Five minutes later, she on Fox News in the same little room saying the same stuff. And they're both telling her how much they appreciate her being on. And, and I'm like, y'all pretending to us like y'all hate each other. I bet all y'all drink out the same bottle. I bet all y'all go to the same. Listen, Washington, D.C. is corrupt beyond imagination. Top to bottom, left to right, middle up, down. They are a corrupt group of people. They, they are for themselves all the way. Four square about them. Why would somebody spend millions and millions of dollars to get a job that don't pay millions and millions of dollars? Now listen, you want to offer me a $100,000 a year job and tell me I'm going to have to grease you a couple thousand dollars to get it? I'm down. You want to offer me a job that pays $450,000 a year and tell me I'm going to have to give you $200 million of my own money? No, I ain't stupid. I just look this way. I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. They are getting money. And I'm not going to be drug into it because I, I know the facts. I, I, I know that uh, four years ago that 43% of white voters voted for Obama. These, these are undeniable facts you can look up on any statistic. And, and now we got race baiters coming out there saying this white lash that all, listen, all white people ain't never agreed on anything. Ever. Now, I'm going to tell you what, now, African Americans, that's a different story. They've come together and vote in a 90% block. White people are not going to do that. But what am I saying? It's not about white and black, and I know the Hispanics are feeling left out, but listen. It's not about the color of your skin. It's about being smart enough to not be sucked into hate. I don't want you to lose your energy to hate. I don't want you to lose your mental energy to hate. I don't want you to be gripped. And this is why I've told my kids, you do not get involved in that in school. You don't take no sides. You don't get in there. You don't go, you don't go arguing politics with people. That lead that up to grown people that want to get shot at. And I don't believe that the church should be as divided as we are. God has the answer. Church division is nothing new. Dr. King said it 50 years ago. The most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, and it remains to be true, but it shouldn't be true. We live, in, we live in integrated communities, and the church ought to represent what the community looks like. If there's black people in the community, there ought to be black people in the church. If there's white people in the community, there ought to be white people in the church. It is just mind-boggling to me. There are churches that are in all black communities, they got folk driving in, 37 white people meeting in a church, all, all white in an all black neighborhood. Well, they've obviously kept people out. There, there are all black churches in predominantly white neighborhoods that don't have any white people in it. I, I, can, I can remember when, when I first got to hanging out with Bishop, and he used to talk about his church being a predominantly black church, and I'm thinking, predominantly black? There's two white people in this whole room, me and white Wendy. And she's just here because she's with Henry. I mean, what are we talking about? 
The segregation inside the church, I believe, is anti-Christian. God said he hates some certain things. He told us in the book of Proverbs there were some things that he hates. And the biggest one on the list was someone who sows discord inside a family. The Bible says we're a family. And if your brother, your natural-born brother, disagrees with you about some stuff, he's still your brother. If your sister disagrees with you about some stuff, she's still your sister. See, we grew up, most of us grew up with, with a mindset of we can fight with each other, but you better not say nothing about my brother. That's my sister. You see, you, hey, don't worry about what we do. You, you on the outside, you stay away from us. Or we will come for you together. Where is that mindset in the body of Christ? The Bible says we, if God is your father and he's my father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Does that mean we all have to agree? Does that mean we have to vote together? No, absolutely not. We are individual people with our own personal relationship with God and our own personal brains. But there is no cause to hate. If you find yourself tied up in hate, if you find yourself tied up in bitterness, if you find yourself giving too much energy to anything more, more than you're giving it to God, the devil has got you by the tail. And we don't need to let that happen. Listen to our text in Colossians 3.9. God is talking to Christians in the book of Colossians, and he says, don't lie to each other, comma. I'm always going to tell you to pause on the punctuation. I wish more people had come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night when we slow down Bible study and we really dive into the Word and take our time phrase by phrase because you have to take the Bible one bite at a time if you want to properly digest it and get it on the inside of you. A great way to do that is by paying attention to the punctuation. Don't lie to each other, comma. That's cause for pause. Why would God write a letter to Christian people and tell them don't lie to each other? Because they lie. Let me flip it. We lie. Christians lie to each other. And the Bible says don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. I'm not going to take time to preach this morning about the old man and the new man. But the Bible teaches us that when you become a Christian, certain old things are supposed to go. And new things are supposed to come. God says that you stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. He's not talking to, to the drug dealer here. He's not talking to, to the rapist and murderers. He's talking to Christian folk here who had to put their wicked deeds behind them. Let me keep moving. Verse 10 says, put on your new nature, comma. So you got to put off the old and put on the new. I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I just, I wasn't raised to be a hugger. So I don't really hug my children. Listen, your children need to be hugged. If you wasn't raised to be hugged, get over that. When I wasn't raised to be an emotional man, I don't cry. You call yourself Christian? Jesus cried. Find some tears. I, I wasn't raised to, to be this way or that way. Listen, let me tell you something about me. I was raised by country people who were mean, hateful, bigoted, racist, redneck, grew up on a farm, and fought about everything. Cussed, drank, whoremongered, and fought about everything. We cannot let how we were raised impact how we act as adults. We got to rise above our raising. 
If you are not willing to rise above your raising, then you are not willing to put on your new nature. You got to take all that old stuff off. You got to take off that old outer shell, that old way of thinking, and you got to put on your Christianity. You got to put your right mind on every day. You got to be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. The Bible talks about being renewed in our mind. Listen, we've all been raised to think a certain way about certain things, but we got to trade our way in for His way. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said that to, to let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What that literally means is, God, I want you to do in my life what you believe in heaven ought to be done in my life. It's exactly what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in his last hours. He said, not my will, but your will be done. We got a, a bunch of my will folk right now. And it doesn't matter. We had my will folk for the last eight years. My, he's not my president. And, and now we got my will folk that's going to say the same thing. Now, listen, wait four years. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's, it's just going to keep doing this. And you know what? 103rd still going to be crowded. It's going to be accident every day on 103rd Street, no matter what happens. JEA still going to be overcharging, no matter what happens. Publix and Winn-Dixie still going to want your money. Like, I'm a I'm saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, go ahead and put you a bunch of groceries on the, on the conveyor belt at Winn-Dixie and see if they accept that from you. No, they want money. And, and, and these elections are cyclical. And, and it's gonna, but listen, what is not designed to be cyclical is us putting on our Christianity every day taking off the old and putting on the new. Well, I'm mad because my side lost. Well, get over it. Other people got over it. You can get over it. Well, I'm not getting over it. Well, then don't. Stay mad. But you can't fulfill the call of God on your life hating folk. And we should not be sucked into this natural mindset and this natural way of thinking. Why? Because verse 11 says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You can't imagine how deep that is because we do not live in the time this was written. We have so much racial hatred in America. So much racial hatred. See, I get a different look than anybody else I know. Because when I sit down at a restaurant, people sitting in a booth next to me, they talk freely. They, they talk a different way than if Deacon West sat down in that booth next to them. I sit down with my little blue-eyed sons in a booth next to some people that are saying a bunch of racist, hateful foolishness. They don't feel like they got to adjust. Now, if he sat down next to them, how many of y'all know the speech would be adjusted? So I get a whole different look at stuff. I, pe people say stuff in front of me, and, and they just don't naturally know. No, you're you looking at my outside. I know I'm pale white. I'm whiter than rice on a snow plate in a snowstorm in the middle of Alaska. I get that. But you don't see my heart. You don't see my heart for all people. So you think you can talk freely in front of me when you get checked and told that, that, that I don't feel that way. See, I, I don't think that everybody understands how much hatred there really is. Because if we understood how much hatred there really was on both sides, we would do more praying. If we understood how much hatred there was on all sides, more churches would look like this. 
if we understood how much hatred there was, we would be on our face begging God. In, 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 the, in the first century and in the Old Testament church, the Jews and the Gentiles, whoo, they took hate to a whole new level. They took hate. They took hate beyond where this country takes hate, and this country was born in hate. They took hate. They didn't walk on the same side of the street. They feel like if you got too close to one, you had to go take a bath. You had to wash your hands. You were ceremoniously unclean because you, you got some of that Gentile stink on you. And the hatred that they had, listen, they still don't let anybody come to their churches. I told y'all, when I was in Beverly Hills, California, I saw a bunch of them Jewish people walking together. Hats, long beards, little twisted braids coming down off their head. I wanted to go to their church. They wouldn't let me in. I'm driving a Cadillac. I'm, a, I'm, I'm as white as the snow. And I rolled down my window, and I said, you guys heading to the temple? The man said, yes. I said, well, how far away is it? I'd love to go. And the man looked at me, and he said, you can't go. I said, why not? He said, there are churches for people like you in other places. I'm thinking, like me? Church for people like me? What are you talking about? I don't get cut up in here. I mean, your people can't come here. You want to know real race hate? Jews and Gentiles were divided. They didn't want people talking about in the, in the first century that they had accepted Jesus coming from a Jewish, uh, coming from a Gentile background. They didn't want Peter, James, and John, they didn't want them coming in their building. They called him every measure of dog, swine. Listen, when you read the New Testament and you see that word dog, when they called him a dog, that's, that's, the, that's the Bible version of the N-word. Look, look it up, read it contextually and see, see if it's They hated each other, but this is God's word. In this new life, say new life, it does not matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you're barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Christ is all that matters. Five words. Near the bottom of that screen, Christ is all that matters. Fox News don't believe that. MSNBC don't believe that. Republicans don't believe that. Democrats don't believe that. Race baiters on every side don't believe that. People that want to stir us up so they can get money out of us and use us for votes don't believe that. But the Bible believes that Christ is all that matters. And we got to learn how to, listen, I'm not saying don't be passionate. I'm not saying don't be emotional. I'm a competitive. I'm as competitive as they come, man. I want to win at everything. I, I am so competitive. I, I will stop what I'm doing and watch two roaches race across the floor. Pull, pull for mine, pull for one and cry if mine loses. I am competitive. I want my side to win all the time. But listen, I will not let it cause me to hate somebody. And I'm not going, I'm not going to fight with people. How do I know? How do I know? How can you know riding down the street looking at me in my car? How can you know that you're celebrating a, 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 a political election, a victory with me, and you don't know how I voted? 
You're looking at me, celebrating like you, you know I voted the same way you are. How can you know riding down the street, waving Trump, Trump signs and throwing middle fingers at Deacon West, how can you know how he voted? Well, because you're white and he's black. Do you realize, that not, not by much, but that we are more evolved than that in places? That there are some white people that, 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 that are more, more evolved than you might think that they are. There are some black people that think for themselves more than you might think they are. You cannot just class folk out like that. And how do you know, even if you're right on the race, how do you know whether or not that person you are yelling at is your brother or sister in Christ? People riding down the road being mean to each other at red lights. They're claiming Jesus. You better not. You got to be like Christ to claim Christ. Christian means like Christ. Listen, he was a Jew that loved everybody. And that's why people gathered to him. That's why they flocked to him. He was different than everybody else. They had never seen a Jewish leader just openly embrace people of, of other backgrounds. And I want you to know Christianity is about embracing people of other backgrounds. This is the word of the Lord. God said it don't matter. Christ is all that matters. And what? He lives in all of us. We got to get beyond asking people, how can you say you're a Christian and do this, that, and the other thing? If they're Christian, God lives inside them. And the Bible says you better be careful how you treat people. The Bible says you better be extra careful about how you treat people because you might be entertaining an angel that looks like a person. God sent somebody your way, and you show your hate and your meanness, your belligerence. You choose po po political rhetoric over love speech. You, that, that might be a messenger from heaven checking you out. And we have an obligation to God. Listen, I hold no obligation to my race. I hold no obligation to my political party. I hold no obligation to any group of people. I don't hold no obligation to any, any of my cousins. I hold my only allegiance and my only obligation to the Lord Jesus Christ. And anybody that's on the Lord's side, I'm down with. And if you ain't on the Lord's side, I ain't down with you. You say, well, that's not right. You can call it right, wrong, or indifferent. It's Jesus. Because when Jesus was talking to people about his father and his mother and his biological brothers and sisters were outside and they told him, your mother and brother said it's time for you to go. They're standing outside waiting on you. He said, look around. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers and who are my sisters? These are my brothers and sisters that listen to the word of God and that love my father. We are the family of God. And we need to learn how to come together. Class warfare, cultural warfare, racial warfare. It's not new, but it works. It shouldn't work. We should be smarter than that. It shouldn't work. We should make space for each other's differences. We should allow each other room and still love them. We should love people who just flat out disagree with us. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, man. I hear all this stuff from, from, from the liberal side saying, you know, everybody needs to be tolerant and accepting and diverse, and, 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 and we're not like you, but you need to accept us. Well, you know, well, where, where's that come on the other side of the coin? But when you don't get your way, you want to boycott and, and, and riot and, and, and fuss and fight. We need to be loving across the board. We need to love people who are different than us. That's what Christianity is based on in Ephesians 2.11, 
The Bible says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. I read that and I thought, wow. Wow. This is just like America. Don't, don't, don't forget. Well, you can read out to you Republicans, y'all used to be outsiders. Eight years. Obama in the White House. You can read that and say, Democrats, y'all used to be outsiders. Eight years, Bush. Uh, listen, that's, that, I'm going to tell you something. Donald Trump, main goal in life right now, to get eight years. First goal, get eight years. Hillary's first goal would have been, get eight years. Believe what you want to believe. They used to be outsiders. Listen, there's a transition that has to happen in this world. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. If you are proud of anything other than what your belief system is, you are limited in your thinking. Your color only affects the outside of you. Your political persuasion only affects the outside of you. Your heritage, your race, your ethnicity, your bank account, that does not reveal anything on the inside of you. But they thought that it did. And God said, that, uh, that only affected their bodies, but not their hearts. Verse 12, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Everybody that wasn't a Jew until Jesus came around, this was the original disenfranchised crowd. This was the original unrepresented crowd. This was the original, they, they don't want to hear from us crowd. The Jews would not let anybody in, but Jesus changed that. Verse 13, it says, but there's something changing. Now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Listen, red, yellow, black, white. Young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, civilized, uncivilized, ghetto, and redneck. If you claim Jesus, there's a unity that's expected out of everybody. You've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You get covered in blood, you don't look no different than the person sitting next to you covered in blood. And we need to be seeing ourselves as blood-bought Christians. Verse 14 says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. How awesome would that be if we could say that about America? They were able to say that in the first century. Jews and Gentiles were coming together. After thousands of years of racial hatred and strife, they were coming together, and they were, they were able to say Christ brought peace to us. I'm praying Christ would bring peace to America. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. The Bible says there was a wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles, and God knocked it down and made a way for everybody to come together. Verse 15, he said he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Do you see this? Do you see what God's heart is to create in himself one new people from the two groups we got more than two groups in america we got all different types of ethnicities in america i understand we got two two, two large groups three you know maybe but a handful of of large ethnicities represented in our country more than the two that they had but god's plan never changes 
He wants to tear down the animosity. He wants to tear down the hatred. He wants to tear down the walls that separate. And he wants to make one body, one group of people. Not that all look alike, think alike, and, 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 and all always agree together, but one group who is willing to be known by the one thing he said that would define us, and that's love. He said they will know that you are Christians. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I don't see that right now. I do not see. They will not know you are his disciple by you being politically astute. They will not know that you're his disciple by by you being mean. and They'll know that you are following Jesus when you can love people that differ from you. See, because in this life, we only have one chance. If we're going to love people, the only chance we have is to love people in spite of them. Because something's wrong with everybody. Well, I can't go there because I don't agree with 100% of everything they teach. I don't agree with 100% of everything nobody teaches except God. And a lot of that I don't even understand. Well, you're supposed to be the pastor. No, I am the pastor. I ain't supposed to be. I am. And no preacher understands everything. And that's why we need to make room for each other. What if, what if you're wrong? What if I'm wrong? Well, it won't matter as much if we both realize that it's possible for us both to be wrong, but whatever it is, God's always right. Can we agree that God is always right? Verse 16, it says, Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. What if that could happen in America? It was happening. In first century Jerusalem, these groups of races that hated each other, their hostility was put to death because of the cross. What if that could happen in America? What if that could happen? See, people get me wrong. They, they, I, and I get people writing me emails. And Did you know Dr. King was so-and-so? Did you know he did such-and-such? Such? Listen, I've been to the Lorraine Motel. Telling me that Dr. King was a chain smoker, don't shock me. I've been to the last room he slept in and, and seen the ashtray sitting next to his bed. I stood on the balcony. Listen, you're not going to surprise me by telling me he was imperfect. Did, did I know this? Listen, just because I say something for somebody don't mean I co-sign on everything they do. But I'm smart enough to chew the meat and spit out the bone. I'm smart enough to know when somebody's telling me the truth. I'm smart enough to to admire the right things about people that have good things to admire in them. And I knew. Take everything else out the window. I know the man is bigger than a speech, but take everything else out the window and narrow it down just to this one thing that he said he had a dream that one day little white boys and little black boys in this country would walk hand in hand and be friendships. We've seen that, ain't we, Henny? We've seen that, ain't we, Cedric? We've, we, we, we've seen that. We, we've seen brown skin and dark skin and white skin children. You know why kids are able to do that? Because you've got to be taught to hate somebody. You've got to be taught to be racist. You've got to be taught to, 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 to want evil on another human being. That is not born into us. And if we don't, Teach our children to be loving and accepting and embracing, then the dream is never going to happen. And when I heard that, I thought, that's exactly what I want. I want to pastor a church like that. I want my children to come up like that. When we started this church, my firstborn son was in my wife's belly. 
And I thought, when we have this kid, I want this kid growing up in diversity. And that's why I've never put my children in private school. I ain't mad at you. You put your kids in private school. I don't automatically think that makes you a snob. <laughs> Just mostly. <laughs> Dr. King said he, he knew he wasn't going to see that in his lifetime. When he said, I may not get there with you, he knew. You listen to the speech. He, he knew. It is going to be awful for me if I have lived 53 years on this planet and I've spent my entire adult life working for racial harmony inside the body of Christ. I've told people forever, don't miss me when I'm gone, I'll be in heaven. Don't cry for me when I die, I'll be in heaven. But let me say this, if I die and white people are still hating black people at the level they're hating them right now inside the church. If black people are still as angry at white people as they are right now inside the church. If I die and America, the church inside of this community is still as racially divided as it is now, I want you to cry for me and I want you to throw a note on my casket that says he lived in vain his whole life. He fought for something that never happened. He believed in something that never happened. We can't keep letting leaders that preach harmony die without seeing it come to pass. We can't keep letting civil rights leaders and people that lead in the body of Christ that understand that God loves Republicans and Democrats, that God loves white, black, brown, yellow, red-skinned people. We can't let this keep Leaders keep dying, never having seen anything get better. When are we going to let it get better? But when they quit fighting against me, they're not going to quit. They are not going to quit. We have to quit. The body of Christ has to quit. We have to quit fighting. We have to quit hating. We have to quit being racist. We have to quit. Judging people by the color of their skin. We have to quit being angry when we don't get our way. We have to quit demanding our personal agenda. We have to quit being mad every time something goes against us. And we have to learn how to lean on God in hard times. So that we can see. I want to live to see some of this hostility be put to death. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep telling people Jesus ain't blonde-haired and blue-eyed. I'm going to keep telling people Jesus wasn't born in Compton. But when is anybody ever going to live this out? When is anybody ever going to live this out? I was in the third grade. I don't I was on an all-star baseball team, and we had one of the most awesome pitchers in the world. I, I was a catcher my whole life growing up. We had one of the most awesome pitchers in the world, African-American dude. Anyways, I'm playing baseball for Little Creek Amphibase, Norfolk, Virginia, okay? Diverse. I'm living in base housing, enlisted base housing. It was everybody living there. Our baseball team was looked like a rainbow. A white pitch, a black pitcher and a white catcher. 
We went to the same school, had the same third grade teacher. He invited me to spend the night at his house. His name was John. If his name, you know, would 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 have been, you know, something different, my my mom might have known off the rip. But John, mom, can I spend the night at John's house Friday? We're we're gonna get up. His parents are gonna take us to the game on Saturday. Sure. I don't know what his mom didn't realize at first. He said Scott. I mean, it ain't like I, he said Jaquan. That was a giveaway when he said Scott. You just a racist, Pastor Becker. You, there's black people named Scott. Well, maybe. I ain't met them. Tell me that. I'll tell you there's white people named Letitia. I have met her. Am I right? He came to school Friday. I had my overnight bag, my uniform with me. I had my cleats in a bag. My mom was not expecting me to come off the bus and go home. I don't know how his mom didn't know. But when she found out he had invited a white boy to stay at her house, he said, my mom said, you can't spend the night in our house. I said, why? He said, they, my parents, they just, they just don't believe in letting white people sleep in their house. I was devastated. I was devastated. And I went home, and I had to explain that. Why are you home? I need, her, I need you to take me to the game tomorrow. John's mom won't take me to the game. He pitched, I caught, we won. I'd already seen it earlier, though, in my own family. I'd seen my grandparents, I'd seen my grandmother not let a black woman come inside her house to eat, a woman who I loved. And I said, why can't Miss Olivia come inside? She said, I don't let them come in my house. I was seven years old, and I was heartbroken. This, 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 this was my nanny. This, this is a woman that held me uh, and, and rocked me to sleep every night from, from, the, from the time I was, I was two years old to the time I was seven years old. And I cried at the table, and I watched them make her eat on the carport. And I knew, seven, that was 1969, 1970. And I knew then this ain't right. But still today, 2016, 50 years later, there's white people that wouldn't even think about letting a black person come eat a meal in their home. There's black people ain't never sat down and ate with a white person. And I don't expect it all to get better in my lifetime, but let me tell you what I do, and I'll let you get out of here. I do expect Christians to do better. I can't control everybody. I can't control anybody but myself. But I have spiritual authority over this church that God has given me. And I want to tell you something. Abundant life, I expect you to do better. I expect you to love people. Red, yellow, black, and white. I expect you to love Democrats and Republicans. I expect you to love Jews and Gentiles, Muslims and Christians. I expect you to love people from every background and every walk of life, whether you agree with it. If they hate your guts, the Bible says love your enemies. I want to see this hostility toward each other put to death. 
I don't know. Maybe it'll be another replay. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't see. I've seen some of it, and I'm glad for the little bit that I've seen. But we got a long way to go as a church. And I'm more concerned about the church than I am the economy. And that's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a Christian. And I love the people of God. And I want you to love the people of God too. Today we got a choice. Our lives can be defined by skin color, bank account, political persuasion. Or you can choose the ultimate definition of who you are. I am a child of God. Child of God knows no color. Child of God knows no power. Listen, our brothers and sisters in, 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 in Liberia, in Ecuador, in India, they don't, they don't care at all about Donald or Hillary. They, they, they need us to love them. We have brothers and sisters in Christ in every country around the world. And they don't care anything about the American way of life. We are fighting for a very limited part of the world. But the world is bigger than America. And it's bigger than us. And until you can, until you can move forward, you got to be willing to admit it's bigger than you. And so today I stand before you declaring the word of the Lord. And I ask you to love people. The Bible says we should be kind, tenderhearted, loving, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ's sake has forgiven you. Kind, tenderhearted, loving, and forgiving. Kind, tenderhearted, loving, and forgiving. Hate has got to stop. You cannot beat hate with hate. I see these protesters carrying these signs, say, stop hate now. And the look on their face is hate. You can't beat hate with hate. But love always wins. Whatever problem you're going through, whatever pain you're going through, whatever hurt you're experiencing, I promise you love can win for you. If you will let God love you the way he wants to love you, and if you will love God and people the way God has commanded you to, love can win for you. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. In our diversity, thank you for loving us in spite of us, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you will let the people in this room be an example. Small as we are in number, God, I pray that you would let us be an example to our community. That we know how to love each other. That we know how to love people that differ from us. That we know how to love people that don't look like us. That we know how to love people that hate us. Because this is what you commanded us to do. God, I pray that you would forgive America. For our sins. God, I pray that you forgive America for racial hatred. And I pray that you bring healing to this country. God, we don't live all over this country. We live here. So we ask you to bring healing here. God, I pray for everybody who's hurting right now, Lord, and shocked and scared that you would calm fear and let us all realize that our hope is in you and you are still on the throne. Thank you for your love and your goodness, God. I pray that you would guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, 
loving God, loving people.